everyone. I'll get to our guests in just a second, but I wanted to let you know that this episode might not be safe for work. It's not bad or anything, but there's some talk of sex positivity and some words associated with sex later on, just so you know. Welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality and geekdom by celebrating the diverse and their accomplishments. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today I am joined by a lot of people. So I'm just going to let y'all introduce yourselves and um, tell everybody a little bit about you. Hi, I'm Saber Thompson, and I've been part of the nerd and folk community for over 13 years, uh, mostly focusing on music. I participate and manage two different bands, and today I'm here with the uh, Misbehaven, the rest of the Misbehaven Maidens. Um, I'll let them introduce themselves. <laughs> I'm Rouge O'Malley, um, also obviously part of the Misbehaven Maidens, and. Uh... Really, Misbehaving Maidens has been my gateway to uh, geekdom. Nice. I am Lucky Annie LeBlanc. I have been uh, in the sort of nerd music community since 2010, but have been a very proud geek since... Uh, when did I come out of the womb again? <laughs> um, I, I, roughly 1979. Uh, <laughs> to the, much to the confusion of the rest of my family. <laughs> Uh, okay, and hi, I'm Flint Locke, uh, another member of the Misbehaven Maidens, the fourth member. Um, I have been in the convention geekery circuit for about 15 years now. Um, I'm a cosplayer, uh, general nerdity, and I've been um, in about two pirate bands now, so this is my working my way into the filk folk area of geekery two pirate bands most people i know haven't even been in one so that's pretty amazing <laughs> three of us have been in two. Oh my gosh <laughs> yeah yeah whatever i got it right on the first try so. <laughs> <laughs> on. You, you, gotta, you gotta catch them all yeah we're a super group yo <laughs> <laughs> so saber since you kind of founded the group right how how did you all come together and what are you all about um, well, so I, I already had another group. Uh, I still have that other group. And while I was working with uh, Scales and Crossstones, my other group, I had a lot of people tell me, oh, you need another group, but it needs to be all female. Um, I've long since been, you know, feminist and female empowerment, but I also love nerdy and dirty stuff and, and um, a little bit more adult content. And my other group isn't quite in that sort of vein of things and so everybody's like you really need to have an all-female group there's like this there's like this void um in the community for an all-female group that sings empowering female music and dirty female music and things like that um there's a lot of male groups out there that do that at ren fairs and stuff like that or there's other female groups as well but they don't they turn the women into more uh, derogatory sort of characters versus being, you know, powerful women who own up to their sexuality, et cetera. So I was like, okay, I think I can do this. And um, it was 2013. Uh, I decided to hold 
actual auditions instead of just being like this friend and this friend and this friend you all should we should do this awesome because I was like I really want a good sound for this um so held auditions in 2013 pulled the group together we actually started out as seven members um and several members have gone their separate ways through for school work etc so we're now down to the core four uh and uh, the awesome four and we've really flourished over the past two years um and just really become strong together as a musical group and then even stronger friends as well which has been absolutely fantastic um i was fortunate in that the the group that ended up the, the core four we we already were pretty good strong friends to begin with or at least all in the same community so it's just sort of brought that all together um and sort of added to the character and the uh i guess i keep saying strength but the strength of the group <laughs> <laughs> Um, one quick correction. I actually think auditions were in 2012 and we started rehearsing. Were they in 2012? Yeah. Oh. And we started rehearsing, rehearsing and performing in 2013. See, I don't remember any of these things. This is why I have other people do logistics. That's why you have us. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, yeah, we all seem to have our own little things within the group. Like we got our logistics people with Annie. Yeah, I'm people, just me. I'm plural. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm basically the dead mother. Okay. Yes, I <laughs> understand. She is Captain Plan It. Captain yes, Plan I'm Captain it. Plan It. Your uh, hair is entirely not blue, blue enough. enough. It used to be, uh, but now, like, my day job won't allow that, so. Mm-hmm. That's a bummer. The first thing I did when I got a work-from-home job is I put a streak in my hair. Yeah. Yeah. Always. Yeah, when I ever start to get to work from home, it's going to be all fake hair colors and eyebrow piercings, <laughs> as far as the eye can see. Oh, yeah. When I worked for a tech startup, I literally went through like every color in the rainbow, sometimes all at the same mm-hmm. time, which was amazing. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I digress. But yeah, Flint is like kind of our musical director. She and Saber kind of both do that. But uh, but Flint is always bringing up the standard for us and mm-hmm. increasing the musical As in, complexity. I have the pitch pipe. I have yeah. the power. <laughs> and the ukulele now. And the ukulele. And, ukulele. and You're learning uh, ukulele too. And Rouge is our money lady. Yes. That's right. And Saber gets us gigs and is... Our uh, networker. Our, I've, our I've, networker and our fearless leader. I somehow know everybody, so that's that's basically my super <laughs> Or at least talent. everybody knows you. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that too. <laughs> so what are, are all of your songs original? Um, I would say at this point we're working on making a lot of original music, but our core right now is a lot of either parodies or covers of various either like traditional pirate music, sea shanty type stuff, folk music that we're making dirtier or we make it uh, nerd friendly, fandom friendly, or just things that we thought like, this is amazing. We need to steal this from these people and worship them and hope they let us sing their stuff. Like the Bells of Bedlam that Annie is a fan of that we do a lot of their music. And uh, Voltaire. And the double clicks. And the double clicks. And the double clicks. That's a new one. Yeah. (laughs) We love the double clicks. The double clicks are pretty pretty cool but yeah we're working on working on getting some more original stuff some more full made by us parodies um otherwise either we do that or we take existing songs made like add in new verses to it that we've made um like for double clicks that sort of thing but yeah so how do you decide what songs to either create parodies of or you know add verses to or just cover is it like by democracy or 
<laughs> no, we're oh, a dictatorship. You are a dictatorship. Oh, no. All right. I'm on board. My creative process starts with being extremely sleep deprived. Ah, I like it. And yes. from there, that. and from there, ideas form that may be good or bad, but I run with them anyway. The dictator yeah. is actually the Sandman. That's yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, actually, or, really, is sort of group passion. Whoever brings something forward that they're the most passionate about, that generally is what the group goes forward with. We're really less of a dictatorship and more of an anarchy, <laughs> if you're really being honest. But like Martial really law. Fun anarchy. Like, <laughs> we're all going in our own directions, but we all tend to be like, that's also a good direction to go in, and we follow, and then we run over here, then we run over there. It's, it's really it's really a beeline, as uh, in an actual beeline that goes bedlam. everywhere. Bedlam. It's just bedlam. <laughs> Speaking of Bedlam, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we have we have a a cover of Bedlam Boys that is absolutely amazing, arranged by Flint. Um, we don't sing it near enough because it's not part of our dirty repertoire, but it really shows off our uh, our sort of musical it's talent. Psycho as it were. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's part of the the crazy songs that we do. So, but yeah, a murder. <laughs> and so, are you all vocal, or do you have instrumental components as well? We do acapella, um, two or three part harmony pieces, uh, but Flint is doing the uh, ukulele. So we are slowly building ukulele into our repertoire as well. We're taking old pieces and adding ukulele to them. And then we're also focusing on newer songs that we're like, how can we put the ukulele in this? So that's that's sort of where we're at with that. We had a guitarist um, and then I also played uh the Bowron, which is an Irish drum, uh, for a couple of pieces, but we sort of dropped that out when it was sort of, we wanted to focus more on our core singing and sounding more melodic with our, our pieces. So I want to bring back the Bowron eventually for something. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Someday. Requisition me a beat. <laughs> so where do you all primarily perform? I know you do Renaissance festivals. What else, um, is that? Actually, we don't oh, you do don't. Renaissance festivals because because a lot of rent fairs um, <laughs> Our really would friendly. like us to be a little more PG thirteen and a little less R R. Um, but we have performed at fandom conventions and theme bars and variety shows. Um, some of uh, the the local gigs, like the bars and things, tend to be in the DC Baltimore area. But then we've also performed uh, pretty far away. Our most recent awesome, awesome, super amazing experience was at Dragon Con in Atlanta. Early Earlier this year, um, and then last year we performed at Nauticon, which was in Provincetown, Massachusetts, and Connuga, which was in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So it's interesting that you don't do Renaissance festivals because I am super Renfair nerd, and um, <laughs> we are too. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah, as are we. It's like I don't think we turned down a Renfair. It just has to be, and we have applied for one, and it just has to be like the yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say like the the Arizona Renaissance Festival. We have, I don't know if they travel more easterly, but there's like the Dead Bob Show, and there's the Tortuga Twins, and they're... I'm actually friends with a lot of these. Okay, <laughs> and, and like, <laughs> see, she knows like, everyone. I don't know, but like the Tortuga Twins are kind of they get a. Uh, <laughs> So, so you, you'd think so, but we actually take it a step further a lot of the time because <laughs> it's like there's double entendre and then there is single entendre, <laughs> right? And and the thing is, is that we don't shy away from stuff because we feel like it should be out in the open and it should we should be able to sing directly about certain. Uh, 
you know, situations and activities and things like that without them being shameful because they aren't shameful. They're still like, oh, ha, that's funny. That's dirty. But it's not we don't want to skirt around the issue. So, you know, we get right to the to the dirty stuff a lot of the time. I mean, for us, sex is funny, but it's also just like something that happens or doesn't depending Mm -hmm. on. (laughs) Yeah. And one of the things um, like I wrote an entire song about masturbation and uh, it is one of my favorite songs to perform, but it's written in the light of look like, you know, kind of own your sexuality. It's okay. And it's something everybody does. And this is like when my cousin tried to get my aunt and uncle to come to my show, I was, he said, Oh no, they'll love it. I'll say, no, they're probably not going to love hearing their niece singing an entire song about masturbation. I'm pretty sure that's beyond their comfort Mm. level (laughs) it's bad enough that my parents have come to the gigs and had to hear you know lyrics about me liking rough sex so you know that was its own (laughs) awkward growing up moment the other thing is very um leave your delicate sensibilities at the door yeah Yeah. and hopefully drink a lot because that helps And and yes. one of our one of our taglines is the misbehaving maidens too dirty for Ren Fair. Nice, okay. Because <laughs> we have had several Ren Fairs be like, listen to our songs and then be like, ah, uh, no, yeah, you can't come here, you know, sort of thing. So, <laughs> so sorry, we don't have a soundproof tavern right. that you <laughs> that we can block the kitties away from. Yeah. Um, and, and we don't, we try not to dumb down our content either because it's like we are what we are. We're not looking to do children's birthday parties, you know. We are. We put our message out, we sing what we like to sing, and we shouldn't have to restrict ourselves. Obviously, we're going to be respectful and not go to children's birthday parties. <laughs> but, but that'd be such a thing to do. We could just invade yeah. a children's birthday party. So, like, hey, they learn it from us. They got to learn it from Tammy, the streets. But wouldn't they also, like, grab the children and make them slaves? Like, this is also not something that... The, yeah. I know, we would just shock them for our own amusement, yeah, basically. Or, or, or sit down with them and explain all uh, the words they should oh tell their gosh, mommy yeah. and daddy they learned yeah. that day. I, I don't think that would go over so <laughs> You're not well. entirely sure? Just go to the Discovery Channel. <laughs> <laughs> so what is this experience like of, of coming together as a group, singing uh, lyrics that many people would find offensive, having messages that many people find offensive. How how do you navigate, um, I guess, both the criticism and probably the accolades that you get for what you do? Um, you know, we actually haven't gotten a ton of criticism. Really? Okay, we, cool. We have people, we, it, that's actually been the, the best well, thing. There was the one time we were performing in the bar and the Bible study group showed <laughs> well, up. There was that, that was a very fun adventure. Oh. <laughs> hey, it's not our fault. I was going to say, they came to the bar. Um, no, you know, we occasionally somebody will obviously disapprove of what we do or they'll say this is not for us but for the most part we don't have a like people attacking us for what we do that might just be because we're not famous enough yet um (laughs) but but for the most part because of the people that we surround ourselves with and because we go to target events that we know will appreciate us we haven't had a lot of people stand in our way um but again, I think that is because we are good at targeting where we want to go. We're not pushing that. Mm-hmm. We, we push boundaries, but we push, you know, normal people's boundaries. So we go off to like Dragon Con, which, you know, has half yeah. naked people walking through the lobby and things like that. You know, they're going to accept us. We don't go. And we're upfront about yeah, it. Yeah, right. You know, we, yeah. we don't go to the to the 
children's convention down the street and be like, you should let us in. Um, But there are people who walked up to the table at like Dragon Con, we would give them our quick spiel and they'd be like, I'm sorry, that's really not for us. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, go go, go look at those music. (laughs) Enjoy your con. Um, But but I think the response that we get as women doing what we do is definitely kind of strange because people love it. But then, you know, we'll sing a song that's like, we love sex and it's great and you should be, you know, we have a fun time doing it and we'll sing about, you know, various different things. And then the very next song we sing, we sing is, is, is ask consent, you know, stuff like that, you know, so we'll, we, we flip it back and forth where we're like, look, we're very proud of what we do. We're proud of who we are. Um, but then we'll flip it right around and be like, but don't be a dick, you know, sort of situation. (laughs) And so So people, a lot of the times when they approach us, they, they might be a little bit more hesitant to make dirty jokes and stuff like that, because we remind them that, you know, we're, we're people too, we're, we're there, we're singing what we like and they can enjoy it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we are objects. We are, we are powerful women that are doing this because we find empowerment in it. Um, one of the interesting bits of uh, trivia that that I really like is, is I've been told by several groups we're the only really dirty group out there that normalizes girl on girl relationships, boy on boy relationships, asexual re- uh, relationships, etc. We try to incorporate that into our music and we make it not, you know, so occasionally, you know, me hooking up with Rouge is like a punchline or something like that. But that's mostly just because I'm the cis heteronormative yeah, one. Yeah, right. Group. So, so it's, the it's, one cis heteronormative one in the group. Because I mean, like we, yeah, we have this whole big variety. Like we know what we're talking about. Because I mean, we basically pull the entire spectrum yeah. at this point. <laughs> so, since- <laughs> like we got we got the vanilla heteronormative one in Rouge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is really weird, by the way, to be the vanilla one in the group. It really took finding this sort of group to become the vanilla one. But um, yeah. yeah, well, and then you've got, you know, I'm bisexual polyamorous and everyone else can speak up now. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm the repulsed asexual. But. And then I'm uh, bisexual and uh polyamorous and open and i work in an adult toy store so you know so we have like this big spectrum here and we make it feel normal versus always being the punchline or um treating it like it's something dirty and that needs to be hidden so right well and that's how we normalize things societally right is we just treat them like they're normal because it's not abnormal um, so we need people who are like, hey, look, this is just how it is. Yeah. I mean, I like that. I I mean, once when, uh, like maybe a couple months ago, um, got a message on Tumblr. Someone was, wasn't sure about like our name and our getup because they thought it was kind of our logo was objectifying to women because like the M is a pair of boobs kind of. So they're like, isn't that objectifying? It's like a cleavage bodice. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I was kind of explaining, I liked, I liked this sort of um, idea that what we do is, isn't so much objectifying as empowering. It's way more empowering. Like I kind of use the example of if you've ever, anyone that's ever read the webcomic robot hugs, they have this really good, um, comic that they did fairly recently about uh sex workers strippers and that sort of thing and about how 
um, if it's done right, like if it's a safe environment for the women, it's actually very empowering because, I mean, they are in control. They reap the benefits of what is normally like male gaze problems. And like they know, like they can make it so that um, they know when the uh, entertainment stops and when the fantasy stops and they can stop it for the people and anyone that tries to like Hook, on, hook up with them afterwards, like saying, no, that was, I, you paid me, I performed a service for you, and that's how it is, and I'm okay because of that, so. Yeah, we set the boundaries. Yeah, it's about setting boundaries and being really clear about those, and. Yeah. Um, we're for entertainment, and we don't mind what we're singing about, but just, like, be, like we said, don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we kind of, we also sing songs about, like, murder, and I think that, you know, maybe <laughs> sends me. a little bit of, yeah, well, <laughs> you sing songs about murder, and then, you know, uh, I am told that the way I sing about masturbation sometimes is intimidating <laughs> to those who might consider wooing me. Uh, so just like, <laughs> I could never measure up. Um so, you know, we, we set the boundaries and we're clear about stuff. And yeah. I think that helps a lot. And yeah, to Saber's point, there are some of my favorite people to perform for are the ones that come up to us afterwards and say, I just love how you sing about, you know, you know, girl, girl stuff, because nobody does that. Or at least, you know, you don't hear that a lot in the folk community. Mm-hmm. Although Saber can speak yeah. to that more than I can, because I have not been like deeply enmeshed in the folk community as she because has. I, I work with my other band as well. And there's a lot of music out there in the folk community that deals with sex, either on a, you know, double entendre or single entendre level. And it, there's a lot of it out there, but all of it is, you know, the man goes off to sea and he has multiple partners and then he comes home and expects the woman to be waiting for him. And all of the songs from the female perspective is like, I gave my love to him. I gave my body to him and now he's gone and I'll never see another person ever again. I'm going to pine away and die. And we flip it and we go, no, no, no. The girls are going off to sea. We're going to go have a good time. You can stay here and pine if you want, but that's, we don't care, you know, sort of thing. (laughs) Or like when the men go off to sea, we have other ways of amusing right. ourselves yeah. while they're away. You know, yeah. you go off to sea, other guys come yeah, into exactly. port. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so we we flip it on its head, and it and it it shocks people sometimes because they they don't even think about the fact that like there's just all of this music and all of this heritage and all of this culture behind like at ren fairs and at conventions and performances and stuff like that, and there's like there's all of this tradition that's already there. And then they don't even think about the fact that it is very, very uh, sort of white male centric. <laughs> and, and so we get a chance to flip it on their head and make them think um, we, we do have a song that we do. That's about that we, we debuted at dragon con. That's all about consent. And I actually had somebody come up to me afterwards and say, I was afraid to ask to take a picture until you said, you know, you can ask to take a picture, like just make sure you get consent in the song. And they were like, so I felt comfortable then coming up and asking for pictures afterwards. And I was like, see, it, it does things. It, it's good. This is a good thing. It works. <laughs> it was a learning moment. So I went and saw Wicked last night. It's the second time I've seen it. And awesome. um, I'm sitting in the audience thinking about uh, something I think about frequently, which is which is the power of music and how powerful lyrics combined with a great melody combined with harmony can it 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 becomes like this magical thing that um that conveys things 
in ways that nothing else does. You know, you can write and read lyrics on a page, but it's not the same as hearing the song. And I think that that's something that you're speaking to is, is, is the power that your songs have of um, showing people how like misogynistic and straight centric our culture is. And I think it's really cool that you're, you're combating this in a really creative way. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where I kind of, when we started the group, I kind of wanted to to do a little, like I already had the idea of like going to cons and doing cons and stuff like that versus Ren Fairs. Um, but we really have sort of become this voice, um, at least among our local community of making people aware of different types of sexuality, different types of, um, you know, gender issues and, but making them have a good time at the same time. And I think that's really important because if you're, um, you know, there's, there is a time for anger, there's a time for yelling, but then there's also a time for fun and laughter. And if we can make people have a good time and laugh about something while at the same time teaching them something, I feel like at that point, we've really sort of won people over with that. So and at the same time, it's just really fun to sing about our favorite fandoms yes. in that context, <laughs> yes. too. I mean, that's, that's, I think, something we all really enjoy is being able to blend folk music, nerdery, and educating people and being dirty all in one thing. It's just, it's so much fun. <laughs> so you've, you've talked, you've mentioned nerdery several times. So what are your fandoms? <laughs> <laughs> oh, where do we begin? Oh, my God. Um... <laughs> I could say, like, I started out as sort of an anime nerd. I'm I'm the otaku. Um, I'm also huge into Doctor Who, um, some Marvel comics, um, way too much. Uh, Star Trek. I like Trek. Yeah. Uh, my primary fandom is a little, like, it, there aren't a lot of cons or around it but i love mystery science theater 3000 and riff tracks yes. really hard um but in terms of cosplay and things like that um i'm huge like into pretty much the joss whedon oeuvre um i love firefly i love buffy i am really into um uh, let's see i love to cosplay harley quinn i love to cosplay characters from final fantasy 10 2 i wish i had the budget to cosplay them all uh because those are really <laughs> complicated costumes um yeah. you know uh, i was definitely big into final fantasy in the ps1 ps2 era um yeah, I just—I mean, like even just this year, Galavant, Sensate, uh, Steven Universe, like Steven Universe, <laughs> Steven Universe. My oh computer's my name is Garnet. Um, just throwing that out there. Oh. Yes. I've cosplayed Steven, and I go around with my ukulele and play all the music <laughs> I can. So awesome, but yeah, I mean, just general, like, I mean, yeah, for me, it's mostly about nerdy comedy in its many various forms. Um, and yeah, pretty much. I mean, Star Trek too. Absolutely, I was seven of nine once, and that was my best nice. cosplay ever. That was a great one. A um, lot of the same for me: Star Trek, Doctor Who, uh, We Inverse, especially Firefly. Yay, brown coats! Mm -hmm. um, and then also uh, a lot of Dresden Files for me. Uh, I'm particularly into that, both the books and also I do the tabletop gaming for yeah, me Dresden too. Files. Yes. So lots of well, you're more D and D. Yeah, sorry, right? I'm just I'm D and D nerd. You're D and D on the system. But... <laughs> They're different. I oh, started tabletop, and I had to be like, yes, hell yeah. 
my fandoms uh i am lord of the rings like i am a huge lord of the rings nerd oh yeah um i that was actually what got me into nerddom was reading the books from a very young age and then watching the movies at 13 and 14 and being like oh my goodness um but then also from there doctor who supernatural uh sherlock uh big fan there and then of course i also have uh um, Harry Potter, big Harry Potter fan. We've actually done Harry Potter cosplay. Uh, we had a um, Ravishing Raven, Ravenclaw, a Griffin Dork, um, a Huff and Puff, and then our um, sl- uh, Slutty Slytherin. So, you know, we've... Slutterin, right. The Slutterin. Slutterin. Ah, Get it right, Saber. Anyway, um, I was the Slutterin. Um, <laughs> She's good at speaking parcel song, if you know yeah. what I mean. Um, uh, yeah. so, so that, and then... Um, Recently, really been getting into Once Upon a Time with a bottle of wine and rouge at my side. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. how, we, how we do girls know? So, yeah. So, how do the fandoms inform like what you like to sing, ladies? I know for me, it's mostly just like, how can we shove how many, like, if we're doing a fandom song, I'm like, okay, here are my fandoms. How can I shove those in? to this song um, which usually you guys write them anyway so it doesn't really matter to me <laughs> that's true <laughs> it's like how can like what's the best entendre to use for this fandom which is fine because oh, let's man. be honest after watching that much of the uh stuff oh i didn't mention farscape oh. <laughs> the ultimate obscure fandom even though I'm continually being told that it's not nearly as obscure as I would have thought. No, it's really not. It, you'd have to get way more obscure than that. Uh, that was but... on. That was on like network television, like recently. Yeah, but at the same time, it's you know, it's Farscape. It's not Star Trek. It's not Doctor Who. You know, it's Star Trek with Muppets. You know, it's close. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I mean, and have, you know, have a you much lower Farscape? budget. It gets weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why I love it so much. Like, the lead character basically just goes insane over the course of, like, this otherwise happy-go-lucky sci-fi, which I love. I think that's brilliant. (laughs) Of course a guy who goes out into the middle of space and is constantly having to deal with bizarre situations completely outside of his usual repertoire is going to go insane (laughs) it's brilliant so farscape is actually not something i could get into i've tried it's like supernatural and farscape are two things that no i'm sad i know (laughs) i know i couldn't i couldn't get into supernatural either i know well to help inform me on why you know that's not your your jam uh what are your fandoms actually if i can ask oh sure um what are my fandoms okay well there's of course Doctor Who, which I know yeah. has been mentioned. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> like I have a, the TARDIS throw from Think Geek and I have a necklace. And yes. so I'm there. Um, like I grew up watching Star Trek. So Star Trek is a mm-hmm. big one for me. I love Stargate. Um, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, I'm into The Walking Dead right now. Um, what are some what are some shows, current shows that are kind of don't miss like Doctor Who Continuum is great. I wouldn't say that that's like a fandom for me. And then, of course, there is Firefly. I think I'm at a point with Firefly yeah. and Serenity where I can like I, I can quote large swaths yes. of the dialogue. Um, yes. Alan Tudyk once juggled my geese. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> 
Okay, it's not like you said mm-hmm. Nikes, like the shoes. <laughs> Sorry. They were no goslings, little he, geese. Goslings. He juggled them. Goslings. You should they, be they really careful juggled. how you talk about him juggling your geese because that really. Oh my god, Flint, write that song about the, the double entendre of Alan Tudyk juggling your geese. Oh that is god. a song in the waiting. Being I completely literal. Is this going to be like an actor fandom type thing where like all these actors and oh. like something? Well, let's, okay, if we're getting to uh, actor obviously. fandoms, Tom Hiddleston. Oh, yeah, Tom Hiddleston's going to happen. <laughs> we have a whole verse about how much I love Tom Hiddleston. So. <laughs> <laughs> it could be an entire song, mm-hmm. but you know, I try to limit it to a verse for the people. Actually, I don't think you're giving the people what you want if you limit Tom Hiddleston. I don't think yeah. I think that that's opposite. You know, that is true. Yeah, that is true. Just make a whole ballad. I'll have to work on that. I tried <laughs> to write an entire song about him, and it just wasn't really coming out to get the way I wanted it to. So maybe I'll take another crack at that one. You know, and it's okay if you don't. Uh, I actually got in trouble for not liking Babylon Five the other day. Oh, Babylon 5 was okay. I didn't think it was, I mean, I didn't watch it until several years after it had been off the air. So I was like, okay, it's, you know, yeah, it's okay. I, I got, I got hate mail for giving a bad review to a Babylon 5 TV movie when I was in high school in the newspaper. So I think I've got you both beat. Yep. Like actual hate mail. No, I had a girl inferring that I was a snob for basically being like, uh, if they're if the fans of the show admit that they fast forward through some episodes, I'm taking that as a no, I'm not going to invest all this time in getting through season one so that there are still the episodes that I'll be like, oh, no, I can't. I can't. I don't know. I mean, I, I love me some Star Trek, but there are some episodes that are super painful. Also Buffy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... Those I think the episodes it's, that um, you drink a bottle of wine with, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or you just, as soon as it starts and you know which one it is, you just jump ahead. Yeah. It's yeah. Star Trek Troy's Where Are You? episode. Or basically any episode <laughs> where Riker doesn't have a beard. <laughs> Your mother. Sorry, in the first season, there's one where it's like, it thinks it's an old friend, but it's not, turns out it's not really his old friend. And they're like, who sent you? And he just goes, your mother. And it's like, really? They, they were making your mama jokes back then? Man, it's like 1256, so your mama jokes are old. I'm a serious Shakespearean actor and I'm talking to the leader of the worm people. <laughs> no, I was just thinking of John Stamos and Galavan going, dude, or, or saying to him, like, it's 1256, so your mama jokes are a little old. <laughs> Whatever the line is. I know I, fans, I probably didn't get that accurately. I realize it. I don't have the script in front of Turn me. Turn in your fan card. You're obviously a girl because you didn't get that, you know? <laughs> Son of a bitch! <laughs> if you can't quote every line verbatim, you don't yeah, get to call right, yourself a yeah. geek. I mean, oh, really? Oh, I mean, that's exactly. the rule, right? Definitely, right? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I learned more about comics um, from reading Twisted Toy Fair Theater. That was basically every point of reference that I used for navigating comic cons for years. Was just what I learned through the Twisted oh, wow. Toy Fair Theater comic, <laughs> and. Honestly, it helped because I could make jokes that people got. And I was like, yay. <laughs> yeah, I never really, I've said this on the show before. I've never, I never really got into comic books because I didn't really have access to them growing up. I'm from a really small 
town in a very rural area and they, they just didn't exist there. Um, but as an adult, I just never, never really felt like I belonged in the comic book fandoms. And so I never really tried. I, yeah, I was gonna say, I pro- no, yeah. I've never gotten into comic books. I'm, I'm a web comic person. I'm probably the only person in our group that is, well, I don't know, Flint, if you read any comics, I know you do manga and I know Roosh does manga. Um, which which I don't I don't no, I don't read any of that, but I'm probably the only one that actually gets into comics. And that was that well, okay, fine, False. fine. That's right. No, you because you're you're super into it too, Annie. That's right. Um uh, Rat Queens and Squirrel Girl, that's all I gotta say. Go I've on. heard good things about Squirrel Girl. Oh, I'm currently amazing. holding a graphic novel of Dresden Files, which I grabbed from the library, so I still need to read it, because Rouge got me into that. And it, 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 it definitely is this weird thing where every time I go to a comic shop, they look at me, even if I'm wearing like a nerddom t-shirt um, or a fandom t-shirt or if I'm, you know, something along those lines, they still look at me like I'm lost. And I'm like, guys, it is 2015. I'm here to buy a comic. And they're just like, what? Like, why are you here? And I'm, I'm like, because comics are great and 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 i i feel like we should have gotten past this by now but people that are really really into comics and that they typically tend to be they tend to shut pretty much everybody else off unless you're like super into it which is kind of discouraging to people that want to just sort of broach the subject we should write a song about this um you know Yeah, well, actually, the survival technique I ended up using when going to like Baltimore Comic Con is I bring a certain amount of money and I walk the perimeter where all the indie artists are. And I listen to the pitches for the indie comics and buy as many of them as I can that oh. look mildly interesting. And that way I don't wait in the long lines to go get something signed by, you know, one of the, you know, huge luminaries uh, because I'm more interested in learning about what's what's little what's new what's out there what's up and coming and I think and they're so happy to talk to you yeah. too when you walk up so um, I get more out of comic cons that way um, and I really enjoy that and discover really cool stuff that's a really cool con survival or con navigation hack like because a lot of the overwhelming part of cons for me is doing the expo halls where you're walking up and down and trying to take everything in while yeah. not like while retaining yeah. your feet um, yeah. and your ability to walk, you know, and um, that that's a really, really cool way to approach it. I think um, I have a friend who wrote a comic book and their booth at Phoenix Comic Con was not very mm-hmm. highly trafficked. And I think that that would have been uh, amazing for them, for both my friend and the other people from this little small publisher to to have someone come and sit and talk with them and and buy their stuff. Yeah, I love seeing the passion that they have for what they do. Uh, It's just, you know, it's not, okay, here's another thing I have to sign. It's like, I want to tell you all about this thing that I pour my blood, sweat, and tears into. And if you will listen to me, I will be the happiest person in the world. And I love listening to that. I love hearing someone with passion um, talk about what they do. It's just, it's kind of like this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, it's, I love hearing that. I love doing the same sort of thing, but like, uh, I'm I'm a little bit more, a little bit less comic cons and a little bit more anime cons because mm-hmm. they tend to be like hotel cons where it's mostly about like talking to other fans about stuff or just randomly running across a cosplayer of a, of like one of your favorite shows that you never expected to see a cosplayer of and just being like, you are amazing. Can I get your picture? Can I talk to you for a little yes. bit? And it's just that sort of thing. So it's a little bit less, uh, you know, the warehouse feel to walking around and more just like you can go sit on the corner of the 
hotel floor and just kind of people watch and run up to people and get pictures and that's my favorite part of it yeah that's my favorite kind of con too my home con is convergence in minneapolis and i i just love that i can just wander around and especially if i'm I'm an obscure character cosplaying a relatively obscure character the people who come up to me and know who i am it just feeds (laughs) my soul so much um and even although even when i was a fairly mainstream character seven of nine just people getting really excited and like can i get your picture you look awesome um it you know makes up for like the one or two people who say horrible horrible things to you in the course of that when i was a teenager Um, like that was how i met pretty much all my friends like just starting out like going to cons like i met all my friends through like we were cosplayers and we cosplayed from the same shows and like i want to talk to you and that's how i like made my entire like i currently have a huge group of doctor who cosplayers that we all cosplay together and they're some of the best friends i've ever had And, like, we just go to a bunch of cons as these characters together and we just have fun. And Flint is an amazing, amazing River Song cosplayer. (laughs) Really? She she puts so much effort into getting screen accurate, like, everything, and and has multiple outfits and wigs. Alex King just does, like, Queen, I can't help it. Oh, my God. She does such a fantastic job. I'm in awe. (laughs) Okay, I would like to see a picture, please. Oh, oh God. Um... (laughs) Give her your uh, Facebook fan yeah. page. Oh, you have a Facebook fan page for your cosplay? Yeah. Or at that least is for my normal cosplays. Amazing. Are you kidding? I do Tumblr mostly, but. And I'll, if it's okay, I'll include a link to it in the show notes and that way other people oh, can see sure. the amazing River Song cosplay. <laughs> There's like some of them, They're mostly in albums. <laughs> I find that River Song is an extremely controversial character, which I don't oh, understand yeah. because I just loved her. Yeah, I really, really did. I see it from both sides. I can understand it's sort of like a thing where people don't quite like the writing in certain ways, but I mostly go for the character. Like, yeah, I am like I get that whole sort of people come at me and like River is horrible. Why can't she just stay dead? Or it's people like I love her to death. And just some people are like, eh. So I try to not be on the line of um, extremes when it comes to that. Because, I mean, I, I don't want more people to hate her. Like, I'm really hoping Christmas special will be amazing. Like, there's only certain ways that it's going to be great. So I'm really hoping it doesn't push people away from her further because I love her so much. Well, it's interesting now that you're talking and now that we're talking, since we've, we're talking about, you know, how how you take the pirate shanties and turn them on their heads. You know, it's also with, with Dr. Who, I find that the doctors are not nearly as controversial to people Mm. as the companions are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. (laughs) Cause I mean, I think it's mostly because the, I mean, the companions are supposed to be sort of the audience insert. So it's like, if they're not as much like you as you want them to be, then of course you're going to have feelings against them or towards them if they're more like you. (laughs) Nerd rage. (laughs) Which is why I kind of like River because she's not really that companion setting. She's not supposed to be a stand in for the audience, but people think she's supposed to be in it. There's like, she's a Mary Sue. Like, no, she has reasons for being good at things she's good at. And she's not supposed to be a stand in for us. Yeah. That, that is an interesting uh, way to look at it that I hadn't considered. Um, so let's see, where should we go? We've talked about how your fandoms impact your music. We've talked about fan response. Uh, Saber um, might have some interesting insights in the whole uh, Renfair culture. Uh, we talked; She talked a bit about the folk music culture, but I know um, I haven't been steeped in it to the degree that she has. And I know 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, Ren Faire and Khan culture are actually pretty similar in the fact that um, they were they kind of started as a way to bring people together. And now in a lot of ways, they push a lot of people out um, because they're like, we have our core group. We have the people we, we like. Um, if you're not playing our game, get out. Um, and it tends to, and they, they, they tend to also focus around a, a lot around um, things that supposedly only white males like. Um, which isn't true, obviously. <laughs> I mean, over 50% of gamers are women now um, in their 30s, but but the, you know, and that includes phone games and things like that, but but it, it, stands, it stands to show that um, with Ren Fairs, with conventions and things like that, yes, that a lot of the original target, um, or, or rather that a lot of the target now is the white male demographic, and that's fortunately changing, but there is this sense to which we're they feel like we're invading a space that's not ours um when in reality it was women that actually pushed a lot of ren fairs a lot of the ren fair community and a lot of the convention community and a lot of the shows that they love so much to actually happen in the first place um like the the renaissance festival that i spent a lot of my time at and that rouge we all spend a lot of time at is the maryland renaissance festival um and that's run by i mean it's owned by um it was owned by a gentleman and it's now owned by his kids but it's run by a woman um but it's still a lot of the entertainment and a lot of the um sort of focus is like guys fighting women fainting and being like oh yes damsel in distress sort of thing and they've they've slowly started to change that but it's it's slow going um and there there really is just this I don't know. It's it's like like this hierarchy sort of thing where it's like, well, you can come in and be part of this if you do it the way we want you to, you know. Um, and I feel like that's true for both conventions and Renaissance festivals. And a lot of time, it favors more on the side of people that are straight, that are white, that are usually male, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, obviously, we as a group, we, we joke that we're the um, our sort of um cover band the cover band for the misbehaving maidens is pale ass mother lovers because we are all very very white people <laughs> um we are rather fair it is a little hard to get us in the sun for more than 10 seconds without us bursting into flame <laughs> can't help that i'm irish yeah so, so we have we have a tremendous amount of privilege there but you know at the same time we do have mm -hmm. this as lgtb uh, um for some of us and as women we do sometimes fall under this sort of category where they're like oh well you you must not be real nerds and but people tend to give us the benefit of a doubt because we're performers so they're like oh you're bothering to put all of this time and this money and this effort into doing this you must be real nerds but it's like we're really not doing much more than that person over there who's working so hard on their cosplay you know we're really not we, we're not more super nerds than the than the person and the, than the woman over here who's pouring over uh comic books every spare moment of her day or, or, or is you know 
working in some other field, but, you know, loves and loves nerddom um, and fandoms, et cetera, et cetera. But for some reason, people give us the benefit of a doubt. So we do have a little bit of privilege there. And that's something that I've experienced as patrons at conventions, as working behind artist booths at conventions, as working at Ren Fair as a reenactor, as being a patron, as being a performer. I've seen it from like a million different sides. I've, I've done big group festivals. I've worked right. with artists. I've done everything. And I've seen it from all sides. And there is this sort of overarching thing where if you don't play our game properly, which tends to be from the white male view, they're not going to accept you. And, and that's actually... Um, with the whole thing of people saying, oh, aren't you objectifying women by being like sexy and stuff like that? And it's like, well, partially in order to get into these things and to perform at these things, you kind of have to play along with the game a little bit in order to sort of sneak under the wire, as it were. Um, and and I, I don't want to say that we are compromising our message by being sexy or by singing about sex or anything like that. We're not. We're, that's part of who we are and what we do. But at the same time, I think a lot of times we get that, that oh, you guys are okay because we appear on, you know, to a lot of people who don't bother to get to know us or listen to our music, we appear to be um, just, oh, another group of sexy, you know, uh, booth babe type girls sort of thing. When it, when in reality, it's like, no, 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 we're going to take you to task. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because I'm often acutely aware of our privilege in terms of, you know, we're able to sing about the things we sing about and get the reception we do in part because we're all young relatively attractive women um who you know that's you know mm -hmm. what people sort of expect to see at these things um in a lot of ways and i sort of think you know would this same song fly if you know we were in our 50s or 60s or if we were you know much more diverse or if we were completely different ethnicities or whatnot um it, it would be it's an interesting thought experiment, to be sure. Um, well, yeah, it's Alex it's Kingston. It's Damn it. Yes. Oh, could we all... Actually, if we could make that happen, we could all be Alex <laughs> Kingston for a day. That would be really cool. I would die. I would literally die. Don't die because then Alex <laughs> Kingston dies in real life. No, no. <laughs> if you die as Alex <laughs> Kingston, Alex I'll Kingston take it back. Dies. I'll take it back. No, never do that. So much power you wield. I think that that's a really interesting observation, though, and something that um, I, I think that culturally we're becoming more aware of, especially in the last, gosh, even the last year about how um, how privileged we are. Like, like it's not it's not all or nothing. You're not either. It's not like a, you're privileged or not privileged. It's to what degree are you privileged and how much are you aware of it? And, um, you know, what, what would you, what do you do differently because of your awareness? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole conversation on privilege has really, I mean, I was a women's studies minor in college back in 99, 2000 and having these conversations, but it felt like they never took place in broader society. And it feels like just in the last couple of years, especially on <laughs> Tumblr, Tumblr. Um, where I spend a fair <laughs> bit of time, but also other yeah, uh, yeah, other social networks, too. There's just this larger conversation taking place. And I don't know if it's 
partly because of the fact that social media is much more of a, a force and a means of communication now, or if it's because we're just as a society becoming more aware of these issues or a combination thereof. I, I really think that social media plays a huge role in it. Um, you know, thinking about thinking about the events of Ferguson and and all of that, like last summer and how very few people would have been aware of what had happened Mm -hmm. if it had not been for Twitter. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think that social media is, uh, is a huge contributor to these conversations and I'm noticing it more and more all the time. And part of that's more, you know, because I move into the space more, a little more every day. Um, But part of it is I just think general awareness is increasing. Absolutely. And it's great to see that. It really is. I love seeing the conversations that are happening. Um, It's unfortunate that they're happening at the same time as an extremely powerful backlash. Um, But I'm glad that there is conversation beyond just the backlash occurring. Okay, so where can, um, I guess, first, before we you know, uh, tell people where they can get the album. Uh, if you want to talk about your individual social media accounts or, um, blogs, you know, your internet presence, uh, that would be great. And then I, we can, uh, also talk about where people can find the misbehaving mavens as a collective and get your music. Uh, just slight edit. It's maidens with a D, not mavens with a V. Apologies. Um, so it's okay. <laughs> just, just for editing it purposes. It happens a lot. Just, it's okay. We get that a lot. It's the maidens. yeah misbehaving maidens. Yes. Yeah, yeah but that it's yeah, that it V in the misbehaving. I think that does that. Yeah, it's okay. Oh, and I'm. I guess I don't have quite the uh, social media presence as like Annie or stuff like that. Um, I'm mostly well. Just I did like, it professionally for a yeah. while, so I had yeah, to no. be on every single network. Yeah, <laughs> my, most of my stuff is just basically my cosplay page, Amiria Cosplay on Facebook, and then I, I'm a total, total Doctor Who geek, and I run a, a <laughs> cosplay ask blog on Tumblr. <laughs> Uh, for it's River. It's awesome. It's awesome, though. His answers from don't, Stormcage. Don't laugh like you're ashamed of it. It's amazing. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, I love people on it. I just, I, I don't know. I'm afraid of being that, that, that Oh, Flint, you're already that crazy person. At the same time, I like it, but at the same time, I don't. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I know yeah, I've always been the crazy it. person. This show is about celebrating all of those parts of us. So this is... Oh, celebrating. It's just weird promoting. Uh, That's the weird part that gets me. (laughs) Gotcha. I understand. Annie really is the promoter in the... uh... (laughs) <laughs> of the misbehaving maidens yeah um and i guess to that end uh my character fan page on facebook is lucky annie leblanc just search for that you'll find it um i'm also on twitter as at think linson um which is t-h-i-n-k-l-y-n-s-e-n that's where most of my various brain droppings tend to go these days and there's a link from that twitter to my tumblr as well so you can find me there if you want to hear my random ramblings my sort of social media presence has to do with actually uh my modeling uh both my fetish modeling and things like that so it's a little um people can look them up if they want i mean you basically just have to um uh google search saber thompson s-a-b-e-r-t-o-m-p-s-o-n no h in the thompson um that way it keeps it i'm the only person that has that name um and you'll if you google that you're going to come across 
dozens of websites, uh, but <laughs> all of my social media should be there under that or under the she you quote. Um, we make jokes that every time somebody says that's what she said, it's actually me that they're quoting. Um, so I am the she you quote and I um, <laughs> am hopefully under that sort of title will be getting a uh, sex ed blog up actually that will be talking about a lot of the issues that we sing about. Um, I'll be doing more and more posts along those lines. So, so that's sort of me, but, but I don't have any links really oh, at this cool. time. So, okay. And Rogue, what about you? I really don't, um, participate with social media okay. as a persona at all. Yay. So I'll just talk about the band's, uh, stuff. Wonderful. I mean, Obviously, the band has a Facebook page where we're the Misbehaven Maidens on Facebook. Uh, we do also have a Twitter account as well, which is the Misbehaven Maids, um, in order to fit that in there. And then we do actually have our CD, which we just released in August. Um, you can actually get the download, the digital downloads online at this point in time on Bandcamp. So if you go to misbehavenmaidens.bandcamp.com, you can find us there. It's a 12-song CD, and you can preview it before you buy it to find out just <laughs> what sort of dirty things we <laughs> sing about uh, before you commit to having it in yes. your MP3. Yes, you can be your own choice. And we do promote our gigs uh, pretty extensively on Facebook yes. and Twitter as well. Um, and if you cannot find the Bandcamp page for some reason, if you go to our Facebook page and you can find that, there's a Shop Now button that will take you directly to the Bandcamp. Okay. Uh, and I will have links to all of that in the show notes. So hooray. Excellent. <laughs> Yay! So you can find the show on Twitter at Less Than or Equal. If you have feedback, suggestions for guests, or would like to be a guest, be like Annie and email me by going to the <laughs> contact form at less than or equal.com. If you have a few minutes, it really helps the show out. If you leave a review or star rating on iTunes, it also really helps if you tell your friends about it. Thanks so much for listening until next time on an internet near you. I am Aline Sims for less than or equal.